to the Treasury Career Corner. In this week's episode, we're going back. We decided to delve back into our incredible archive of some amazing, amazing guests. In this week's show, I'm joined with Felix Mayer. Now, Felix was way back at episode 86, back in February 2020. What we're going to do is listen to his episode. I hope you enjoy it. It's another good one. One of our most popular, again. He and I delve into treasury technology. That's a key thing with him about the huge impact it's had. He's a great guest. And actually, we pick up the story a bit later on, after about half an hour, where, well, we just carry on. What happened? How they got through pandemic? how he's seen it, you know, Treasury change, and some other amazing nuggets of wise wisdom from this amazing Treasury professional. So listen to the episode, enjoy it, keep voting, keep sort of uh, giving us a thumbs up on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, much appreciated. And again, let's get on with the show. And this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Felix Meyer, the business IT manager and treasury technology expert at ABB Capital. Now, Felix is based out of Switzerland, but ABB itself is a global treasury technology leader that are driving digital transformation of many industries. Now, they've been going for over 130 years, four main customer-focused businesses, which Felix will explain a little bit more later on in the show. But, you know, again, operating globally, 100, over 100 countries, 147,000 employees, so truly a global multinational. That aside, Felix has a real passion and really, you know, we, he and I have met a number of conferences. We were at the Treasury Leaders Summit where we spoke, to, you know, this, earlier this year and a lot of that. Now, he's got a real passion for technology and financial systems and everything else, which we're going to really dig into today, but not make it just a, an IT geek out, if you like, but actually where practically it intersects with Treasury. But... Going back a couple of years ago now, perhaps we'll get Felix to talk through his career today, how he first started in finance, discovered treasury, treasury technology, and whether that's an interest. Felix, enough from me. Mike, shut up. Let's get Felix have, have a go. Over to you, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mike. And I think the, the, journey, the journey probably even starts before I got my first job. I really was looking for the direction direction to go to a university. I was feeling in between a little bit lost. But my background was really always stay hungry. I know I'm repeating the maybe repeating this from other, other well, well-known people that have said this. Stay hungry, stay energetic, be interested in many topics. I really had a liberal arts background. I came to came to Switzerland in 1994, was looking for a job, saw that really in Switzerland, mostly finance, finance interests me. I had some economics background, but I said, this is an area I'd like to get involved in. And they had a two-year trainee program where then they hired me on after that. They showed me the different parts of the bank and they got me really hungry on the on the finance side deepening my knowledge also on the asset liability management side. And it really was a time when technology started picking up in the finance sector. So this was an area that, that I was like, ah, this is a nice mix between the finance area and the and the technology area. And that, that really was a start of my my career path. So at a yeah. at a small private bank, which then later got bought up by by Credit Suisse. And with that sort of that shift, if you like, from, as you say, and I noticed this as well, that you were liberal arts, master of arts and everything else. And and then now, a number of years later, 20 odd years later, you know, you've got, you know, this real IT treasury 
path. Talk me through that or talk us through again. Some there might be someone listening today going, actually, oh, I like that IT side, but actually, oh, this financial engineering and things. How did that, you know, attract you? What was it that gave you that, you know, help help sat in your brain as it were? Yeah, maybe I think the big reasoning behind that is just seeing the potential of automation and seeing how, you know, looking at some things and seeing waste and and seeing how people are suffering because they're having to, I don't know, do the valuations of these bonds with their HP calculator for all the people who remember back to those days saying that, wait a second, guys, there's a lot better ways to do this. And again, I'm not the super geek, but I see these, I see the potential in, in in some of the process automation. And for example, I'll take this back to the middle 90s when we were doing asset liability management. I was working for a group of people, and they they were, at least in Switzerland, they claimed, one of the first groups of people to actually have a mark-to-mark valuation of the balance sheet of all the bonds and all the the loans and deposits. And this only possible through a couple smart, smart people. Mm. I, at that time, wasn't one of them. I was more of a user, but I appreciated the work that was done saying, yeah. this is great. This is really cool stuff that can be done by the efficient use of technology. And it gives you a new insight. It gives you quickness. And okay, quickness there was letting things run overnight, which now we'd laugh at. But that kind of was something that, that sparked and said, yeah, I like this. I like that people can then benefit from this instead of having to do like meaningless tasks. Well, I was going to say, and then from that automation bug, if you like, that bit you, you then went into a more systems-focused role, or was that sort of a natural progression, or how did that work? Yeah, I'd say it was a natural it was a natural progression because, for example, when I went then later to work for Tremo, which became Wall Street Systems, there you are, you're sitting as a consultant in front of the customer, and the customer wants to have certain processes. He says, and you know a big system like that, like a treasury system, a treasury management system, can offer you tons of possibilities. Well, it's great when you can go to the customer and say, well, I mean, you guys used to be doing this with the paper, but if we implement this tool or certain steps in this tool and get some super geeky guys, which I'm not one of them, do a little bit of coding, you can do in a fraction of the time what it took you a longer time to do in the past. And that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, that's kind of, it's nice to get that feedback, also feedback from the customer who then actually was happy seeing what, you know, the, the value that you're bringing in. And so that was kind of an additional additional driver for me. And I shifted then also a little bit of the roles, as you mentioned, starting first more on the financial side, but then also as a consultant, I saw myself, oh, gee, I don't want to have to type in these thousand pieces of static data talking to the techie guys and say, hey, how can we do this better? And just making my life as well easier. That's also part of it. So, And then you, so you're with a systems provider, Wall Street, you know, Tremor, that became Wall Street and things like that. Then the move to sort of, you know, ABB, and, and if you would describe, you and I know the company, I know it very well from some of the people that perhaps describe for the listeners who you guys are and then your role at ABB. Yeah, so... When I first joined, I joined then, then uh, in a position as an analyst, and I was pulled on to the to the company by a, a techie actually that that worked here, who was one of the really I would say inspirational in that sense because he also was a driver of technology within the company. He was like automation, 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 really in a time also when things weren't automated at all. 
And joining then as, as an analyst, it was interested, interesting back then at the time that we still are a mix between a decentralized company in some areas and a centralized company in, in other areas. But when I joined Treasury, for example, was super decentralized. We had, we had country treasury centers around the world. We also then had, because of this decentralization, we also had then, then from a system side, also systems around the world. So almost every, every country had its own treasury management system. And one of the first projects that I got actually was then slowly shutting down some of these, these country regional treasury centers with my knowledge then of Wall Street systems became, I became really an asset to, to ABB then to be able to bring in this automation to show that through the configuration of the system itself. We can cover these other guys just with, with this one tool. So bringing in the, the value on that side. And yeah, ABB is a big company to answer your other question. I mean, we're, yeah, we're uh, as you said, 147,000 people, right. electrification, industrial automation, motion, robotics, discrete automation, power grids, which is going off. So it's a conglomerate, various different areas that we cover. And, and clearly, my focus in moving through the Treasury organization was then to, to work on projects that, that would bring value in the automation area within Treasury itself. And why bother? I mean, Treasury technology, we, I joked with Felix before the show, because I'd asked this on a, another show to one of my friends who's very highly into his technology, but it threw him a little bit, because I just said, look, Treasury technology, why bother? You know, and it was more about, you know, there's a lot of investment, return on, you know, investment, if you like, of your time and everything else. Now, there are some obvious benefits. You know, you've got compliance, you've got automation, you've got that. But why go through a lot of this effort? Maybe perhaps, you know, you've been through a 20-year journey and seen it from start to finish. You know, maybe, again, for the listeners, why have you seen it evolve and things like that? Maybe describe that if you would. Yeah, I mean, I think you can see it from various angles. I, I think one of the key reasons is that you look at, for example, this whole shareholder value concept. There is pressure on the treasury organization, like it or not. Even I'm sure these guys are holders of the cash, but there's even pressure on these guys, you know, to reduce costs, to increase efficiency, to be compliant with SOX or whichever area of, of compliance there that's applicable. There's pressure that says, oh, guys, we need to deliver with less people. That's kind of a general theme. I, I know very few companies that are saying, oh, we need to deliver with, let's hire a lot more people so we can deliver the same amount. Mm-hmm. You never hear that. And so because there's a pressure from above that the automation and the, and the technology piece is, for me, really just an integrated piece in so much of what we do, but also particular in Treasury. So this is this is then, if you look then at, at a big part of what I'm doing now, is taking a look at the different systems we have at local level, at regional level, country level, at group level, and figuring out how can we put these pieces together, what pieces can we get rid of, which pieces can we integrate into existing solutions, cost saving also a big part of this, and just to drive a more efficient treasury. And I can tell you another area where this whole automation piece comes into into play is that, you know, companies aren't just companies these days that it starts whatever 100 years ago and it's the same company. There's so much dynamic in the company itself. And when all of a sudden a company like Hitachi comes and buys a quarter of our, a quarter of our company, well, you have to have technology around to enable even a divestment like that. So mm. there's technology everywhere we look. 
I don't go as far as, and this was really interesting at the conference that we were both at, yeah. I don't go that far in propagating, for example, the, the newest and greatest technology like, like bots and people are always asking about bots and yeah. artificial yeah. intelligence. I'm not that geeky of a person and I'm not that far on the wave. I'm more, I would say, hands-on. It's about rationalization. It's about finding out what pieces fit nicely together. What are, what pieces on the market even bring value that are out there where we've just had our eyes closed. We haven't realized it's out there, but hey, it's great. This, this opportunity, let's jump on it. Let's make the move. And I can make an example, really, just really a project that I just pushed through very quickly was... Uh, for me, almost a no-brainer. We have in-house a netting solution from a recognized netting provider. We had this hosted in-house since 10 years. Well, they offer as well a software as a service solution. We as a company are under pressure, and there's various areas in which the company is being put under pressure. One of them is, for example, on the ISI to reduce yeah. cost. Well, you reduce cost, you reduce your ability to service, for example, and I'm like thinking, well, thinking ahead, wouldn't it be clever if we just took this existing solution we moved it to the specialist who are doing this 24-7, get a software as a service solution. The risks are still there, but a lot of the risks are mitigated because they're taken by, the, by this uh, specialized service provider. And at the same time, we actually save on hosting costs. So this is kind of a no-brainer. And for this, you don't really have to be a technology geek. You just kind of have to have your eyes open and say, this makes sense. This is a great idea. Let's grab the opportunity that it's here. Do you find, uh, this is criticism, but this is more, a lot of the time I've seen that company will bring in a new system. You know, they will integrate it. They might then be given budget to bring in a consultant, maybe to do some of the heavy lifting, get some of the integration work done. They start to roll it out and they say, well, that's great. You've effectively replaced those two people, so you need to lose a headcount. And the people are like, hang on. So I've done all this hard work and, you know, we were a team of eight and that was great with a team of eight because it meant that by bringing in the system, it freed up and gave us some, some slack time, if you like, to do the other projects, to do the other value adding things as well. And this isn't to say that people are being replaced by robots. I think that's a, just a fallacy when I talk to people. You still need intelligent people. And in fact, I think the work of Treasury has gone up in intellectual capacity and things and to know you know, to, what to interpret from the big data and everything that comes out, but more, have you then seen maybe a not, you know, maybe internally, externally, other people at conferences that sometimes bring in a system, switch it on, and then the treasurer under, well, now maybe you could get by with six people rather than eight. Do you, do you see that yourself? Have you seen that around? Yeah, it's a very good point. And I haven't seen it on my side. I've seen actually, mm. especially when you bring in new systems, almost the opposite. <laughs> that, okay. cool. that, that when you implement a new, new solution, as you said, you have these experts that are providing the advice. You're almost blindly accepting their advice, and you're, but you're working together with them. But the reality is that until the system, especially we're talking about bigger systems, treasury management systems, until the system mm. gets up and going, and you will actually sometimes need more people to actually run this thing than you had, you initially envisioned. And then it starts to drop off after you realize the efficiency gains out of, out of this implementation. So, But to, to answer your question, that actually jobs are being so replaced by putting, by putting a new technology. I'm of your opinion as well. I, I think I'd say not. If anything, when those systems reach a certain level of maturity, you can take those users and put them in, in other areas, like you said. 
uh, put mm. them on data data analytics or fraud fraud prevention or or even better because again technology is an investment you invest in the next what's the next generation's tool going to be mm. maybe there's the next modules already coming out you can get more insight more gain so a, a basic component is that a hey, people are super important the intellectual capacity as you mentioned is is at a very high level in in treasury and i think in i think the technology part of that intellectual capacity it's got to be there the appreciation for technology and that's what brings you forward under the job front i wouldn't say necessarily that jobs are going if anything jobs will be transferred that's definitely a topic <laughs> You, you maybe you won't have them onshore. You'll have them offshore. There, I think that's definitely a tendency. But that you'll get rid of people because of technology. I see that's less of a. I, I haven't. I haven't witnessed that. No. And you you recently posted an article or post piece up on LinkedIn where again we were saying that many treasurers are hesitant to become early adopters because they've got. I again, I and I totally agree because a lot of people have got lots of other stuff on their plate, and you know, looking for other people that have you know done the hard yards and great. Can we see what we you know? How did that work for you? Okay, could that apply to us and everything else? What was your discovery from you know talking to lots of people in the room and and things like that? What did you find? Yeah, I, I saw that really in in general. I see that that treasurers, by definition, are a fairly conservative crowd. You know, yeah. it's it's by their nature, they're not the the risk takers, which is clear. It's it's also not their mandate to be taking the risk. And because of that, also when applied to technology, they want to invest in things that work. They they don't want to be the first to jump on the on the bandwagon. And, and indeed, we've heard a lot about fintechs. We've heard a lot about you know blockchain, bitcoins. Good heavens, the word blockchain, you, you hardly hear it these days anymore, strangely mm, enough. Mm. And you hear other words like bots and AI. And, and a lot of these, I think, these, these fly by the treasures. They come in and come out. And, and I remember distinctly in a room full of treasures that last year was, for example, that there was only one person that raised their hand that said their company is actually doing investment in AI and, and robotics. And the rest are kind of more cautious, more waiting. Mm, They're waiting mm. for a certain level of maturity. They're waiting for others to take the first lead, which I have nothing against, which is quite okay. And it's also, it's feeding to their, it's feeding a little bit to this risk aversion. So I don't feel that treasures are missing the, the show by not investing in this emerging technology. I would say they're missing the show if they're not investing, I mean, in what I would call just basis technology, automation pieces, things that make, you know, things that are the norm, the standard. And if they're not on that level, then I'd say they're behind the wave. If they're already on the next, on the next generation, I'd say they're a little, they're definitely ahead of the wave. Uh, I don't know how much value add it's going to bring those because a lot of those projects are also, it's, it's, they're, they're laced with a bit of risk. And with yourself, you know, why do you enjoy it so much? Why is it that, you know, we've talked about how you like the idea that you came in the next day, a lot of the stuff, and then that's changed and evolved and things like that. You've, you know, with your role, if you like, you're driving the strategy and sort of, you know, sitting between sort of business, IT, treasury, that sort of triangle, if you like. But you on a personal level, and you mentioned that at the beginning, you came from this sort of different background, you weren't always, you know, an, an engineer as such, but... Why does it give you such a, you know, what gets you up in the morning? Why do you think, actually, this is great, I can make a real difference today? Yeah, because I see that, I, I think it comes back to this this part also about, about strategy, understanding mm. what's out there in the market, and knowing that there's opportunities you can grab 
with not all that much risk and fairly large savings. And those are the types of things that, and also feedback from the people and seeing that the people are happy with the decisions that, that you've made on this technology front. That's the kind of stuff that, that gets me up in the morning. I must say, I also like drawing pictures. I mean, coming back from London on the plane, it's like I, I, I drew almost like a kid's, a kid's picture with three containers uh, saying that these are the pieces that are still outstanding where we really could work on. These are the things that we're working on, and these are the things that have already been, been accomplished, saying that there's so much work out, out there that it's nice seeing pieces move from the one box to the next box, and that's, that's also a piece of my satisfaction, knowing that things are moving. It's not static, that, that yeah. there's action. And with yourself and, and looking at that, where do you see it moving towards? You, we, you touched on there that you know, a year or so ago, one person was talking about, you know, the bots and all that stuff. And don't worry, they're not taking over the world and all that. But where do you see that sort of, again, I've sometimes talked to the, some of the treasury professionals I sort of talked to, the CFO seems to be pushing them out to the forefront. So look, you be the pathfinder for me and then just filter it through and tell me the good bits. But is that what you're seeing? Or, you know, what are you seeing from the role of treasury in, with that coming up? And what's the future that you can see where it's going to add value? Yeah, and here I have to tell you, realistically, it's it's as we mentioned at the beginning, at the before we started the show. Realistically, we dream a lot about this technology and innovation, but the realistic part is that we're stuck in in a lot of day to day tasks. I mean, I as well, I look in I look in in the priorities of what ABB is working on. I mean, we're carving out a quarter of the business. You can only imagine that is a big exercise, and Treasury also plays a big role in that. And so, a large part of the resources are focused on that. They're not focused on these these really fun, sexy things. They're they're focused really on these day-to-day activities. And another a parallel topic that we're very much focused on where where it's a reality, we're focused on internal control stuff. Resolving uh, IT related internal controls issues, we're almost working day and night. And we don't even have time to like enjoy what, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel that some of this technology might offer us. So I'm not sure if I answered your question on that one, but I think that's very much a reality that we, we see also within the treasures that yeah. we don't have time to, to explore, to make that big leap. We're trying to get through day to day and we hope then at the eighth hour, the ninth hour of the day that we have just a little bit of time to think about what's, you know, what could help us out more tomorrow. Looking back, just for a moment, over the past, let's just just take a snapshot of the past 20 years and things like that. What, not mistakes have you made in that time? Because it would be too personal a question there. Say, but if you look back over that time, and you, again, you're talking about AI, we're talking about stuff. But if you were to sort of summarize that, which of those initiatives or things like that would you say, do you know what, that was a bit of a waste of time? You know, that was, you know, I think afterwards the value add. And, and do you see it repeating itself or when people, again, are listening, they, you know, you're saying, right, guys, you need to be thinking about this top priority, that, see how it goes. You know, that might be something that comes up, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Have you, have you seen that at all? Yeah, you know, I can tell you one of the areas where I feel like I've wasted my time is in the area of doing upgrades. Treasury management system upgrades. We have a business model. The business model doesn't change. We're required by our supplier to move from version A to version B. Business doesn't really give you the buy-in because they're like, why are we doing this? And so your stakeholders kind of like only half warm on the topic. You need their engagement. 
And at the time, I was I was acting as project manager, and that's one of those things where it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult then to be positive in the morning when you get up because you know your stakeholders aren't behind you. They're asking, "What is the value added of this?" Mm. And I, so that even exists in the technology. Technology isn't all rosy. It's there are some pieces where like there's mandatory stuff, and this and this this is a type of thing where the market is slowly adapting. And I mean, especially when you go more and more direction in software as a service. It's a topic that you less and less have to worry about than these physical upgrades. Oh, your end of life, you've got to move up. Mm. That's kind of the dredge work, and that's that's not fun. They're expensive. It requires a lot of resources and effort, and the value gained at the end of the tunnel isn't all that massive. Mm. If someone is being told they have to do with it, you know, that you have to do this, or this is a pressing issue, how would you? How should they approach it? I mean, the reality is that is that you have a te- you're using a technology that obviously has some value, and you know you can try to negotiate with a vendor, but the reality at the end of the day is that your software runs out, and you have to do an you have to do an, do an update. So you your hands are your hands are tied. I mean, I think that they say a uh, software is a drug, right? So in that reality, you see that you see that that part that there is a flip side to it. So there's nothing all that much you can do except push ahead. Clearly, you can say, do we want to go with this vendor? Are there other options? However, again, it's easier to do an update on your iPhone than it is to uh, to switch software vendors for your treasury yeah. management system. And again, one of the other things that we've seen is a, a consolidation and you know a couple of larger names coming in and sweeping up a raft of these different companies and providers. Do you think that's been positive, negative, or no comment? Or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would say I'm neutral on it. I've seen some bad things and some okay things come out of it. Mm. I mean, my advice, and I think this is just something in, in general for the treasurers, that super advisable that on a on a periodic basis, especially if you know that such a painful upgrade is is nearing nearing you on the uh, on the horizon, take the time to do an analysis or get an external to help you out with analysis because because it, it could be that. Your technology doesn't fit what you need. Could be that your business case has changed. What your treasury mm-hmm. used to be a huge treasury, and now your small one, small treasury, but you're still sitting on a fat system. Could be that that there's a misalignment there. Take the time and do the investment in a study like that to see that you're you're implementing the the best fit. And I think that right. the best fit is like so important these days. If it's not a good fit, you'll have unnecessary number of people doing things. You'll just have a system that's over the top. And so I think it's it's very important to make sure that you're using technology that's fit for your purpose. Yeah, and works for you as a group. And so, again, we're, we're approaching sort of, you know, getting later on in the show. We're not quite at the end yet. But when people are, you know, looking back over a lot of the things you've done, you know, what would you say is – next what's the next evolution you know we talked earlier about you know treasury technology why bother and that's a key thing with yourself but you know where do you see it going to what's the sort of the next you know you're certainly sitting in the sort of that in the middle of that triangle and balancing all the needs is that where you see other treasurers and, and again you know without harking too much into that article we we sort of said about you know treasurers not being early adopters a lot of the time because they simply don't have the time but you know with yourself what what are you seeing coming down the road yeah, I'd say I'd say from my side as well. I mean, when my time then gets freed up a little bit, when we mm. we when I move from instead of the ninth hour thinking about treasure technology more to the sixth or the fifth hour, 
then I really see more adaption of these newer, what I call newer technologies. I mean, again, mm-hmm. using using these tools that are that are out there. Some of the, some some pieces like advanced analytics. I mean, I. I see already benefits. That's just it. I can already start to think about these benefits now, but it's not the right time to be implementing it. I mean, again, you're working with people. People are overloaded. They're in they're in X different projects. You can automate things quite a bit. And then at a certain level, you see that there's actually more potential if you do things on top of it. And and that's, for example, where there's, where there's solutions out there which could bring us a lot of value. We simply don't have the time right now to work on it, but we can at least think about what these what these things are and and plan them for the future when we can implement it. And I can tell you, in fact, you know, uh, looking at the roadmap that I have for the next the next two years, I don't have a- advanced analytics on there. It's really it's full of full of ensuring that you know business continuity is like is number one. That's like the top mm. top piece. But I know at some point in time the time will free up, and then I will have time then to. Uh, to uh, to implement some other technology, and and yeah, here I must so. say also, you know, I mentioned this piece about talking about technology the whole time, mm. but there's mm. also uh, kind of derivatives coming out of the technology, like everything related to Bitcoin or Ripple, which actually you would think should be would be adopted by the Treasury community because I see the the benefits of doing same day settlements for uh, same day settlements, which is which is obviously possible in many currencies, but Cross day, cross day, same day settlements. These types of things, you think you would have this, you think you'd be seeing this a lot more, but maybe it's symptomatic that treasurers they just don't have time to to think about. Oh, how how are we going to work with this? Why is that important? You know, in same day, what impact does that make? Well, I mean, again, it's it's. I would say a big piece is staying ahead of the curve. If if you as a treasurer can, for example, on the cash management side, really square out all your books instantaneously, I'd say that's a big gain. You're not sitting on cash unnecessarily. You're able to provide really a, a full overview of your liquidity. I think those are definite definite gains on that side of the coin. On the other side of the coin is really what happens on the on the consumer side is that. You know, when you start to get in these discussions about same-day settlements, that's maybe also something that's super interesting to your uh, suppliers and your consumers as well. That that uh, you can introduce new new value propositions, or maybe not new value propositions. They already exist, but you can adapt these value propositions into into Treasury, and then Treasury really then becomes an advisor. They become the partner to your business, and yeah. and. That's clearly our goal also at ABB to become the partner to business, and we're partnering in many areas, but we're missing some pieces to, to for the, on the whole chain, I would say. And key to your success, as in you, as in Felix' success, what what's your ethos? And that, that will link into, as we wrap up today's show, there are perhaps the tips you would give people if they say, oh, I like his background, I want to follow in those sort of footsteps. But what would you see as the key tips or the key you know the trunk of your experience the real core of your your success and, and everything else what would you draw out if again someone's listening thinking do you know what that sounds like a sort of career path I'd like to you know be similar to what what would you say yeah I would say in my area it's really it's about staying up staying open for new ideas uh, remaining open for new ideas 
staying hungry. You know, again, my background, I didn't go into really a specific area of finance. I was a very generalist. Maybe on the one side, someone say, well, Felix, you're waffling around. You're not focusing on any on, on any particular area. I think, however, that has a lot of benefits. And those benefits, I can prove my depth through, for example, doing specialized coursework. And I think that's super important, regardless what, what you studied way back it was uh, 20 years ago or so, ensuring that your knowledge is up to date. For example, before, like last year, I, I did this uh, cybersecurity certification. Well, it could be, you're like, what does that have to do with treasury? Well, it has a lot to do with treasury if you think about the money that's sitting around. But mm, that gave mm. me that gave me really a new insight into Wow, this is something actually in my job right now. I should see about how I can implement this, right? And right. another type of type of certification I did was was related to databases. Okay, well, coming out of liberal arts, databases is kind of off the wall. My point is simply is that super super important staying up to date with education, even if your time is limited. Now the opportunities that they have with online learning are amazing. What's even out there that you don't always have to physically go to class. There's You, you can mm. do coursework all over the place, and like that, you stay hungry, you really you stay adaptable, and, and when someone comes, say, Felix, what do you think about this topic? You, regardless if it's from a technical or business side, you already have a basic understanding, you have a level of respect with, uh, with your counterparty, and that's what keeps the ball rolling. Mm. And would that be your summary of today, that sort of being open and hungry to learning, or any other areas that you think, yeah, that... That's the other thing you need to think about. No, I think that's the, the, those are super important. Hungry, being open, hungry, learning. I mean, and obviously there's the there's a people skill side. At the end mm. of the day, we're only as good as as the people that we work with. You can you can implement whatever system you want, but if you don't have the the capable people around you, if you as a manager don't have the skills to go around and invite your invite your guys out. Now it's now we're getting near end of year. Taking your guys out for lunch if you haven't gone out with them, just having open discussions. I feel people skills get so lost in our day-to-day mm. business. People, in the end, are assets of, the, of our company. And, and by keeping people motivated, you stay motivated yourself. So I think that's also a super important element that, that really bring in the people skills. People skills. Stay open and hungry to learning. Well, brilliant. All that remains for me to say is we'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Felix, as always, guys, look out for Felix. He and I see each other at a number of the conferences and everything else. We'll put also links to the Treasury Leaders Summit that we did this year and some of the others. Again, we talk about learning. They're great places to sort of expand your knowledge. I know that Felix really engaging when I've seen his speeches and some of the questions he asked people. I think that's, you know, again, another big key thing that a lot of people can learn and, you know, from that learning piece. So, Felix, it's been great to talk to you and thanks for your time today. You're quite welcome. Great to be on the show. Thank you, sir. And so welcome back. Well, we didn't go anywhere, actually, although we did a little bit in the two years since I last spoke to the lovely Felix Maya, as you heard on the podcast there. And we were just talking before that it's lovely to catch up with him and... Since we spoke, or we published the episode way back in February 2020, obviously the world has changed and everything else. And I wanted to bring you guys up to date. One of the most popular episodes with Felix, I think it was, you know, one of the engaging things was about embracing that technology side of things. But 
we were just talking about how that affected the world of project management and treasury and everything else. So we bring in Felix back on the show. Welcome back, sir, and bring us up to date, if you would, about what's been happening. Over to you. Wow. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me back. You know, we got a little bit older in the meantime, but <laughs> I still stayed at number 86 on my on my podcast. So some some things do stay the same. You know, we don't yeah. get older all the time. <laughs> so really, really happy to be back and really happy to give you a little bit of an update of, of what things happened in during the past two years. And I get this question every once in a while that, that that's asking, did things stay the same during the last two years as far as the projects that I'm working on and on the, the, the items and treasure technology that I look into? The answer is no. And I'm really happy to say that, at least from our side, quite a few things, initiatives were ongoing within the treasury space, even within a broader finance space which confirms, I guess you can say, the investment and the importance that the company lies, invests in, in on the technology side to increase the automation and, and ability for us to move forward as a, as a company as a whole. And maybe if that's okay, I'll just, I'll just home in on two projects that, that we started yeah. uh, a year and a half ago. We, we started a, a, an RFP a year and a half ago, beginning of 2021 in two areas simply because we saw the need really to reevaluate the solutions that we're having that are serving us in two key areas. One in the export trade finance area, and one is the core treasury management area. And so we started an RFP beginning of last year, and we, we, we pretty much ran this through full of, full of last year, making the decision. Now we've made our decision with what providers we we're going with. And so now the journey continues, and now we hit implementation phase, and it's going to be really exciting. This is going to be taking us then into the next year and a half where we'll be implementing new systems. And I think this is really just a critical process, this whole reevaluation process. Where are we? What systems are we using? Or is our treasury processes matched? Those are really basic questions that you just need to look, just like you look at your car. You say, hey, is, our, is my car up to date? Do I need to take the mechanic? Or do I actually need to buy a new one? Because the, you know, the mechanic can't do anything with it, can't find the spare parts. Those are just typical questions that have to be asked. And so I would like to say that I'm really happy that, at least in my area, that we've had a commitment still from management to push ahead on these projects. And so uh, that's something that, that I'm happy to be a part of. And Felix, you and I were just talking before the the re-show, if you like, and you know the catch-up, if, if you like. And we were talking about the impact of COVID on working styles. When you and I spoke about this in our pre-record the other day, that you were talking about how it hasn't affected you per se in terms of productivity, but then you're back in the office sometimes now, you're having the coffee with people, you're actually engaging with people once again. Brilliant time to be actually seeing people. What's that been like and what's the transition been sort of thing, if you like? Yeah, I, I think for, for many of us, we, we probably didn't realize how important soft skills actually were in our in as part of a part of the work environment. It's the it's a social side, but it's more than just a social side. It's it's things related to, for example, networking and, and exchanging ideas and a quick catch-up where it takes a lot more to schedule a meeting, kind of that more classical stiffy type of, of finding out what's going on compared to just going to the coffee machine, having a drink and running into people that got lost to a large mm-hmm. extent. And I think that and you can even extend that beyond the coffee machine to things like conferences as well. Exchanging ideas. Sure, you can sit in front of your laptop and do virtual meetings, but 
it sometimes a little bit more stiffer than actually then sitting and actually meeting people and and seeing the 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 I forget the statistics. What do they say? Sixty percent of all interaction is verbal inter or it's like nonverbal interaction, right? Seeing that whole that whole piece kind of got left out during the last two years, and I think many of us are missing that that item, and that's a value that. I'm happy to say is 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 still around, so it's worthwhile coming to the office definitely and picking up on that, even if it means compared to what we're doing over the last two years, a quote unquote loss of productivity. You're not reading as many emails during this period because you're doing other things. So it's a shift, but I, I think it's 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 going the right direction, finding the right balance between really sitting there and being productive and getting all your mails done and that and work done in that in that period of time, and the balance against also having this other part of, of work, which is absolutely important as well. And when you reflect back on this time, that you know everyone's had a lot of thinking time, sort of sat back, been working independently, but then working virtually, and now starting to get back you know if you were to take some of the key learnings from this this isn't the you know in a minute we'll talk about putting your linkedin details but this is before that this is more what would you your personal takeaways if you like you talk there about very much the work side of things as well but i know you and i get on extremely well when we go to conferences and everything else so if you sort of sit back and look at it what are the uh, thoughts? Again, we can't wait to see each other, and we, we've talked about this, but it's not just about that. I know Treasury is quite a social enterprise, so social discipline, but what are you seeing as key in that that regard, if you like? A key learning that we've also had about the, the last two years is, is also this whole topic of work-life balance, that it's absolutely important to mix. And I think it, it's kind of a pendulum that we see mm-hmm. is maybe before we were just too long in the office, now we went to a phase where we're very much at home almost, you know, and saw some of the benefits of having the coffee machine just two meters away instead of 20 meters away. <laughs> the pendulum swings a little bit back towards the office and we're seeing that, yeah, actually what we had in the office before wasn't all that bad. And, and you know, in the end of the day, no one dictates what the optimal mixture is, the secret sauce to having productive employees and have a productive environment. But part of it is also being able to experiment. And, and I think uh, it's it's definitely going the right direction that we can find this balance and, and offer that companies can offer their employee an optimal mix of possibilities. We're going to re-wrap up. You know, I've done this once before. It's only two years ago. But we'll put, <laughs> we'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes. But again, reflecting on all of this, you know, what are the key tips that now you would you know, take away for people. It sounds like there's a balanced one in there. I definitely think that's something that you and I both talked about. But what are the takeaways for the you know guys listening today before they go, oh, wow, that was great. I mean, they're going to get amazing value bombs all the way through this. But what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think a couple of key points that I made also last time in the in the in the show was just the topic, for example, about the uh, the importance of automation of certain processes, how much value that can bring. That also linked to this topic about just staying hungry on technology, that it's worthwhile on a periodic basis taking a look at what kind of systems you have and solutions that are supporting your treasury processes. Take a look at that. Maybe you need an external. I don't know. Maybe you can do this yourself. But take a look at that, reevaluate, and if necessary, retool, because it's a long journey ahead and it's a worthwhile investment to look and to reevaluate. And maybe during a reevaluation process, you see that we don't need to do anything, but it could be at the same time that there's bigger opportunities out there and that this, this investment is definitely worthwhile. And so that's a point I made last time. I'll, I'll make it again and say, yeah. it's it's a, that's, that's really how you stay 
to put it you know, in simple words, that's how you stay ahead of the curve is always making sure that, you know, you're on top of things. Exactly. As you say, you sort of, it, that's a sense of being grounded and sort of review. But I think what this has given both of us, I think, or everyone actually, a sense of time to reflect. You know, a lot of the time there, there wasn't, you couldn't do things throughout pandemic that you could before when everyone was there, but also not to go the opposite way. So it's that balance, isn't it? That, that exactly. Sort of, yeah. So amazing. Felix, incredible to talk to you, sir. Again, we will be seeing each other, I hope, later this year. Great to have you on the show once again. Great takeaways. Connect to Felix. He's amazing to have in your network. And thank you once again, sir. You've been a star. And thank you. Thank you so much, so much, Mike. It's always a pleasure talking and exchanging ideas. And, and I hope this was of use to your listeners. Then. Thank you, sir.